If you enjoyed this, episode, if you enjoyed this episode, oh, <laughs> why? No, I oh, was wait. trying to mock Chris, but she she. <laughs> okay. Okay, Chris, go ahead. I thought you wanted to take over, Chris. Hi guys, welcome to episode 25. Hello. How have you guys been? Well. <laughs> yeah, we have all been well, considering three of us already ended our finals. And we went to eat sushi together yesterday. <laughs> it was pretty good. Yes, we and ate... um, Shen used to only eat corn sushi. Okay, that was when I was still young. Now I eat salmon. Yeah. Um, Chris also only Wasn't ate... Wasn't that like... just last year? Okay, Honda? Yeah. <laughs> Yes, it was just last year. I grew <laughs> in a year. Yes, um, for our fellow mm-hmm. listeners. Wait, I will, I'm, more, I'm more adventurous in my sushi. Yes, but you only eat three plates of sushi. I can <laughs> you the three plates that you ate. You ate salmon based on cheese. You ate the aburi three ways and the salmon belly. That's all. <laughs> also ate, I also ate tonkotsu. Tonkotsu ramen. I mean, Shen ate yeah, the ramen wait. too, but she had no, way more than three plates. I said tonkatsu ramen again, Honda. It's Why? Tonkatsu. Yeah, I keep thinking of tonkatsu. Like, I want to eat a good tonkatsu. <laughs> ah. <laughs> Singapore. I used to eat that so much in Korea. Yeah, uh, I crave <laughs> a lot of food. Currently, my current craving is um Korean barbecue. <gasps> and Japanese soba. Food companies? Wait, didn't we ask Grab or Food Panda to food sponsor panda, us? Food panda. <laughs> food panda. Food Panda, are you listening? Guys, we, we are still open. I'm not kidding you when I tell you that Food Panda emailed me just now to give me a $5 voucher. <laughs> because you order so much? No. It's like, <laughs> Shen, we haven't seen you in a while. Here's $5 off. Oh, what the hell? <laughs> no, I'm not kidding you. And they made a really, really, really... Okay, I give it to them because they actually tried. Um, so the the voucher is like, Hey Shen, it's been a while since we last saw each other. Please don't <laughs> dumpling us. Here's a five dollar voucher <laughs> off to reignite our friendship. I was like, Oh, thank you. <laughs> five dollars off is dead. So... Yeah, it is. Yeah. Wait, but how long did you go without ordering grab? One day. No, I don't order grab. I order from Food Panda, but I only order Food Panda when I'm no. like. I only order Food Panda at restaurants that have free delivery because I I can't afford to pay the delivery fee. They can buy me a whole meal. Mm. Most of the times, I get it when I'm like at work. And um. But doesn't the delivery fee help the riders though? I do, I don't know what the breakdown is. Um, I don't know whether it does, but I do tip the riders because I think the tipping goes directly to them. Yeah, the tipping oh, is 100%. Yeah, but then the delivery fee... Oh, I didn't even know there was a tipping fun- function. Okay, but then again, I don't even use it. Yeah. So, um... The other day, um... The other day, this person came to my house to, like... Uh, promote this restaurant. And it's one of those things where they show you a menu and they're like, oh, it's $30 for this coupon. Mm. Like, you buy this and then you get discounts at the restaurant. Mm. And then the person opened up with... Do you often order out and I looked at her and I was like no <laughs> and then she was like uh, well here's so and so's restaurant and this is his coupon and I was like I would love to support oh okay sorry rent over here rent because I remembered something so so this girl like she was she was talking about the restaurant and everything and like I was like okay listening you know and then she goes um, you should buy this to support local businesses like she was literally like What's the word for it? Um, guilt tripping. She was like, yeah, she was like guilt tripping. Like she was trying to make me feel bad because I was already rejecting her. I was like telling her like, we don't eat, my family doesn't really eat out. We cook at home. And then she was like, but you know, you should support local businesses, especially during this hard time. And I'm like, yeah, I know. But then I told her straight up, I was like, I would love to buy this, but I know if I spend $30 on this coupon, the likelihood of me and my family ordering food from this restaurant is so low that it would be $30 wasted. And that was the only thing that, like, got her to, like, hmm. step back. 
Yeah, I genuinely don't enjoy being guilt tripped. Like, I understand what you're going for, but please don't guilt trip me. That's not very nice. Yeah. Yep, rent over. Oh, I haven't had those, like, locking on my doors to sell stuff in a very, very long time. Um, Actually, I've never when, experienced it. Oh, when I used to have it, it was Yakult. Oh. <laughs> oh, but Yako was okay because like they usually came with the giant ice container box thingy to yeah. like sell it to you on the spot, yeah, right? Yeah, I love it. Yeah, this one is like coupons. Yeah, um, and I think my 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 disdain at stuff like this stems from like several years ago. I remember my my friends and I we were in secondary school back then, right? And we used to go to Junction Eight a lot, and at during this time, like, when you step out of the MRT station, you know there's an open area-ish before you walk into J8? Mm-hmm. Usually a lot of people, like, trying to get donations or sell stuff will stand there. I remember this dude stopped us and, like, he was trying to ask us to, like, buy some, don't know what, postcard because it will help some charity or whatever. And we were, like, telling him that we weren't interested. And then he literally goes, oh, it's 10 bucks. If each and every one of you gave $2, you'll be able to afford it. <laughs> And I was like, are you kidding me? First of all, we are secondary school kids. Like, we don't even have that much money. And as much as we'd love to, like, donate to your charitable cause, like, you shouldn't be telling us that each of us should contribute $2 in order to, like, afford this thing. Yeah, so ever since then, I've been, like, super peeved off by people who, like, guilt trip to get, like, donations and stuff like that. I just want to let you know that that, that donation thing is actually a scheme. Um, the people asking for donations. I had a feeling. Yeah, they 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 profit from it. Yeah, so it's like for every ten dollar you collect, I think two dollar goes to the person. So on that's on top of the base pay that you get already. Yeah. Like, well, um, thank God, my friends and I dodged the bullet. I um, I learned from this particular friend of ours. Um, you guys should know who I'm talking about by now. Um. How to um avoid this kind of scams? So basically, when the person comes up to you and asks you to donate ten dollars, you say, "Oh, hey, uh, what manager you working under? Hey, today you on shift? I'm not. I'm working today." <laughs> then the person will um most likely not ask you any questions because they know that you know about the scheme. Yeah, so I knew about this because when I went when out with her and somebody approached her, she did this exact method, and the person was like, "Oh, okay." Then like the person backed off because. It is a scheme. They profit from you getting giving them donations. Yeah. Yeah, so... Mm. It's so strange to me because, like, they will show you the documentation. They'll be like, oh, we... I'm from this um, uh. so-and-so place. This is the certification I have to show that I'm legally doing this or whatever, whatever. But then again, right, they, like, lift up the, the laminated paper and then they put it away just as quickly so you can't even read the thing. <laughs> so maybe it is. Yeah. You, I mean, I'd like to believe that they're all, like, genuinely, you know, trying to do charity work for, like, particular mm-hmm. organizations. Yeah. It's just that telling students of all people that if they all contributed a certain amount of money, they would be able to, like, afford the thing is, like, not the way yeah. to go about it. Yeah, and they are mostly students, It's gonna make me right? not mm-hmm. want to. Yeah, they're all young people, mm. and I'm just like, oh dear god. Yeah, exactly. I, I I've had not a not so similar experience as you, but mine was more of like, um, last time there used to be an uncle. I don't know if you guys know. Um, like outside Gem, is it Gem? It's the one opposite Jurong East MRT. Um, J Cube. Yeah. Mm-hmm. J Cube, and then there was this uncle that sells tissues outside. Mm. Um, and then there was once um. Mm-hmm. I was going there and then um, the uncle was um, selling tissue as usual. And then uh, my boyfriend is the kind of person that will buy tissue every time he sees someone selling it. So he took out a $2 note. Normally you give $1 or $2 and you buy like tissues. So he gave a $2 note and he told the uncle like keep it. But the uncle mm-hmm. saw like the $5 note and a $10 note inside his wallet when he was taking it out. And the uncle asked to take that instead. He was like, uh, can you give me that one? Oh, wow. Then, wow... Let me just tell you, my boyfriend was so pissed. He was like, like, wow, like, I have never seen someone so bolden. So, I mean, in the end, he gave the $5 note lah, and he didn't take any of the tissues because he was really damn pissed. But it's like, 
that's not the way to go when it comes to asking for money, I guess. Very, very grey line, but... um Yeah. But I think the intrusive part is the most scary part because it, it, it's like, you want to help, but then like, you know, it might come off as mm-hmm, rude mm-hmm. or offensive. Yeah. I hope that Singaporeans have a lot more empathy or so. Because like I've I've always been to restaurants mm. or hawker centers and I've always seen people um selling tissues or like deaf and blind people or deaf or mute people selling like keychains and even though these keychains like cost like ten dollars um to be honest ten dollars is not a very huge pinch for um a good sum of the population mm. but most of the times when I go to hawker centres and I see like these people like asking for donations a lot of people shun them away or like pretend they don't even exist I think the pretending they don't even exist part is the worst it's like the person will be right next to the table yeah. and they just pretend the person mm. isn't there so yeah I just wish that people had more empathy and like you know buying tissues is like one dollar and even though you have like thousands of tissues at home it doesn't hurt because mm. like for most people like them especially like those old aunties walking you know it's their difficult because they can't really get mm. any other jobs so yeah on on that note just to mm-hmm. add on to you guys oh my god today's introduction is so long but I recently watched okay I just watched a movie today that is a Singaporean film and it's so good and you guys should go and watch it I was telling Honda about it earlier it's called Be With Me <laughs> It's on Netflix. Mm, I've never heard of it. Yeah, I've never heard of it, but it was... I was looking... I know, I'm now at a phase where I'm looking at all Singaporean shows and watching Singaporean shows. And um, it's really, really good. Like, um, just watch it. It starts... Uh, the story is based on, uh, on a deaf-blind woman called Teresa. I don't know if you guys would have heard about her before, but she's quite famous. She's known as the Mother Teresa of Asia. Mm, yeah, no, you, you guys should go and watch Be With Me. It's really, really good. Um, Just prepare some tissues. You will definitely cry. <laughs> yeah, it's one hour 30 minutes though. It's not very heavy, even though it's like a sob body. It's, oh, it's actually quite a short film, yeah. considering the length of movies these days. Yeah, yeah, just go and watch. It's really, really good, really. I trust that y'all will like it. And the reviews are also really good about it. Mm. And it's also Singapore's first movie that stars like a lesbian couple. Oh, wow. Yeah, this was in 2005, by the way. <laughs> Groundbreaking, dude. Yeah, you guys should go and watch it. It's really good. I can't stop raving about this because, like, it really taught me... It, like, I'm trying to rewatch like, Singapore films because I want to redefine what Singaporean films are like in my head. Because like, we're always comparing mm. Singaporean films as, like, backwards compared to Western. But Singaporean mm-hmm. films have a lot of mm-hmm. symbolism and touches on a lot of, yeah. like, ethos. Yeah. So I'm going back to watching just to look at like different styles. Have you mm. watched Twelve Stories? Twelve Story, no. Twelve Stories. Yeah, you is should nice? watch that. Okay. Yeah. The next thing on my list is The Maid. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a horror film. It is. It is. Oh, you wow. haven't watched it before? No, I haven't watched it before. Oh my god. Okay. It's good though. I think it's a. One of the better Singapore horror films. Oh, I've I've, I've watched many mm. horrible Singapore horror films. Now, this one's okay. This one's good. Okay, I'm excited. It's, it centers on Hungry Ghosts, the Hungry Ghosts uh, Festival. Uh, why does every Singaporean <laughs> ghost film center on Hungry Ghosts? I want some like folklore superstition. Your favorite time of the year, and yeah, um, the time of the year where I have my lights on as well when I sleep. Okay, um, what was I going to say? My brain is like fogging right now. Okay, so anyway, today's story um, comes from the land of maple leaves and giant moose, aka Canada. <laughs> That's so anticlimactic. Okay, yeah, it comes from Canada. Like recently I rewatched, uh, no, not rewatched, just Recently, I watched Canada's Drag Race and I was like, wow, they're so French. Like, I knew there was a French part of, like, yeah, French part of Canada, but I didn't know how French they were. Super, super French. <laughs> yeah. Um, I also love how, like, Canadians pronounce out. It's like, out, out, and like, sorry, is like, sorry. I, I love it. Sorry. 
terrible accents. I shall move on to the story. So anyway, mm-hmm. um, today's story is called The Murder of Tim McLean. Have you all heard about it? Nope. No. Okay. Nope. Um, I'm just going to warn everyone that this story is actually very gruesome. Um, and I somehow ended up like on a rabbit hole in the internet and I saw like pictures of the crime scene and I was no. like, oh my me. God. It, it's bad. It's, it's quite... <laughs> yeah, anyway, so like for everyone's sake, I really hope that nobody is eating oh, no. if you listen to this because um, <laughs> unless you, you're one of those people like me who like eats while watching Hannibal then maybe go ahead but like for the larger population yeah Shen's raising her hand like for the larger population maybe not oh yeah Shen's eating right now yeah <laughs> okay wait let me just I'm eating because I'm having hiccups <laughs> and whenever I get hiccups and eat something sweet it helps with hiccups <laughs> why don't you just drink water hold your breath doesn't work for me Okay. I'll eat a caramel and okay, water. So I'm just gonna jump right into the story. Okay. You what? I have to eat a caramel, eat something caramelish and drink water. That's the best method that works for me. <laughs> okay, you can go with your story. Okay. Strange <laughs> Okay, I'm just gonna jump right into the story. So on July thirtieth, two thousand and eight, twenty-two year old Tim McLean was returning home to Winnipeg after working at a fair in Edmonton. He worked as a carnival barker, which is essentially someone who attracts people to like fun fairs and stuff. So, short summary, Tim McLean worked in a carnival. Mm-hmm. He got on Greyhound bus 1170 to Winnipeg via the Yellowhead Highway through Saskatchewan. Wow, I said that word in one go. I'm a genius. Saskatchewan. (laughs) McLean got on the bus and walked all the way to the back of the bus and he got a seat that was just a row in front of the toilet. And some information on Tim McLean. He was born on October 3rd, 1985 in Victoria, British Columbia. He was described to be very adventurous and athletic social and very liked by the people around him um his brother even describes him as larger than life and that he was unapologetically himself tim mclean was also someone who didn't like to hold a job for too long which is why the carnival's like nomadic lifestyle appealed to him so much Mm. at 6 at 6 55 p.m the bus stopped at ericsson manitoba where a new passenger alighted The man was described to be in his 40s, tall, with a shaved head and sunglasses. He got on the bus and sat near the front, but eventually moved all the way back to sit next to McLean after the bus stopped at the rest stop. So, right now, you're probably like, "Uh, rest stop. So, basically, the journey from Edmonton to Winnipeg was a 24-hour bus ride. What the? Or a two-hour plane journey. Like, Oftentimes, I forget that countries are so big because, like... <laughs> Singapore is so small. Yeah, this is, like... Yeah, Singapore is so small. And, like, this is, like, the kind of thing where you want to take a bus to KL, you know. It's that kind of journey, but it's just within the country. Yeah, and basically, working at the carnival meant that, like, you know, obviously, he didn't really earn a lot. And the carnival also used to have, like, parties every night. Like, everyone would just, like, turn it up. So, that, that's where all his money went. And so, that's why the bus option was the most affordable one for McLean. Um, at this point, McLean actually had fallen asleep against the window with his headphones on. Uh, some witnesses said that um, the man appeared to be scanning each passenger as he walked from the front of the bus to the back before sitting beside McLean. And... The bus wasn't really full at that point, so um, this man could have sat at any other seat, but he chose to specifically sit next to McLean. And this could also possibly be because McLean was, like, the only person to acknowledge him. He sort of, like, said hi and stuff to the man, and maybe that's why the man chose to sit next to McLean. Mm. The man is named Vincent 
Okay, I'm going to try to pronounce this. Vincent Weiguang, uh, aka Vince Lee. Um, he was born in Dan Dandong, China. Wow, I'm butchering all these pronunciations. <laughs> Please forgive me. Anyway, he was born in China <laughs> on April 30th, 1968, and he immigrated to Canada on June 11, 2001, and actually became a citizen on November 7th, 2006. So he worked in Winnipeg doing like menial jobs um, at Grant Memorial Church for six months. When he'd been in China, though, he'd been working as a software engineer. So coming to Canada, like sort of like his new job was kind of like a downgrade. Like you used to be a software engineer, software engineer, then now you're doing like menial jobs. So he obviously had some financial woes. Mm -hmm. Anyway, the other passengers on the bus noticed that Lee was exhibiting some strange behaviors. So Lee began to fidget and chant in Chinese under his breath. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can already feel Honda going, uh oh. <laughs> oh no. Okay. Around 8:30 p.m., 45 minutes before sunset, there was a blood curdling scream from the back of the bus where Tim McLean had been sitting. Uh-oh. Lee had produced a large hunting knife and then stabbed it into McLean's neck, oh, shoulders, no. and chest. Oh no! He continued to stab him about fifty to sixty times. Uh, the other terrified passengers all screamed for the bus driver to stop the bus, and the bus driver actually uh, braked into like an emergency halt. All the passengers got off the bus except for Lee and McLean who were now on the floor with the former stabbing the latter continuously. Mm. The driver, Bruce Martin, and other passengers attempted to help McLean, but was prevented by Lee, who flung the knife at them. Okay. At this point, unfortunately, McLean was no longer alive, but Mm. Lee continued to saw and hack at the body. And then he stopped, stood up, and raised the severed head of Tim McLean by his hair. So imagine this, okay? He was in the bus. All this is happening. All the other passengers were outside, and he just, like, lifted the head up for them to see. That night, there was another Greyhound bus behind um, bus 1170. The driver, Bernie Syrup, noticed something was off when bus... 1170 veered off the road. So he stopped in front of it. Um, He called out to Lee, who stopped hacking at McLean's neck and said, get emergency. So just remember this detail, okay? Syrup opened the engine compartment of the bus and disabled it, essentially containing Lee within the bus and preventing him from escaping. There was even a passing trucker who had been hauling steel pipe. He noticed the scene and stopped. When he heard what was happening, he grabbed the steel pipe and stood guard outside the doors of the bus and gave men in the group some tools to use as weapons. Wow. Mm -hmm. Lee paraded the head before going back to hacking the body. And this (laughs) is where it gets hard to digest. Panan intended. <laughs> so if you're eating, I suggest you stop right now. So Lee tore open McLean's chest wow. and pulled out his organ. <laughs> he removed his heart, lungs, liver, and entrails, and then he began to eat McLean. In front what? of the horrified passengers who were standing outside the bus. <sighs> he consumed McLean's eyes and a portion oh of God. his heart. You have won. He then cut off... <laughs> By <at> what cost? <laughs> okay, wait. He then cut off McLean's nose and ears, proceeding to smell them and lick the blood off his fingers. What the hell? Lee even had plastic bags which he filled with McLean's parts as if to store them for later. 
At around 8:30 p.m., the Royal Canadian Mountain Police Mounted, sorry, the Royal Canadian Mounted Police received a report about the incident. They arrived later to find a scene of utter chaos. Lee was in the bus while the other passengers, the driver and the trucker, tried to stop him from escaping. And at one point, Lee actually tried to drive the bus away and the driver had to engage an emergency immobilizer to stop him. Other passengers were like huddled together, some throwing up after what they had witnessed. For half an hour, there was a standoff between Lee and the police. It was so intense that the police had to engage special negotiators and like heavily armed tactical units. Even during the standoff, Lee continued to mutilate and consume parts of McLean's body. Hours later, at around 1.30am, so yeah, Lee finally attempted to escape by breaking a window. He leaped from the bus, but it was ultimately subdued by tasers and dogs. Mm-hmm. Good doggos. Honestly, the goodest, the heroes of the day, the doggos. In the bus, parts of McLean's body were placed in plastic bags. His ears, nose and tongue were found in Lee's pockets, while his eyes and part of his heart was never recovered oh my God. because Lee had consumed them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that was what happened on the bus. So I'm going to move on to the trial, which... I think we could have a pretty interesting discussion... So, um, Vince Lee's trial began on March 3rd, 2009. Nine. 2009. Lee pled insanity and was diagnosed with schizophrenia. He claimed that a voice, or the voice of God, told him that McLean was evil and about to kill him. And sort of, so out of panic, he attacked and killed McLean. He believed that McLean was some sort of alien who would come back, who could come back to life. Therefore, he continued to hack and mutilate the body. His hmm. psychiatrist even said that he did not understand that he was doing something wrong by killing an innocent bystander. On March 5th, 2009, Vince Lee was found not responsible on the grounds of mental illness and was sent to the Selkirk Mental Health Centre. And this is what happened afterwards. A lot of, like, strange shit happened after this incident, okay? So Greyhound Canada actually had, like, a nationwide slogan called There's a reason you've never heard of bus rage. (laughs) And it had to stop because people were calling in and demanding for, like, more security in their buses. Also, like, the most terribly timed slogan (laughs) after the incident. Um, Mm. PETA, yes... That Peter like attempted to run and ad- I'm kidding, no, I'm like kidding, the- I know. <laughs> I, I know. <laughs> that joke. Do you know okay, fun fun fact, I've had Peter blocked on Twitter longer than I've had Donald Trump blocked. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so Peter Peter attempted to run an advertisement paralleling the murder of McLean to the consumption of animals. Yeah. What? <laughs> yeah. What? Okay. Okay. I don't even have I don't even have to explain why that was so poorly received. Yeah. But it's PETA, so I am not surprised. I mean they tried to say that animal crossing was like what? Um abusing animals or some shit. It's just a game anyway, carrying on. Um, on June 3rd, 2010, Lee could go on supervised outdoor visits to his facility. On May 30th, 2011, Lee allegedly responded well to his treatments, so his doctor suggested more freedom for him in phases. On May 17th, 2012, Lee was granted temporary passes that allowed him to leave the facility he was in and take trips to the town of Selkirk accompanied by a nurse and a peace officer. March 6, 2014, Lee could go to to Selkirk unsupervised. This was done in phases, starting from 30 minutes to eventually a full-day trip. July 17, 2014, one of the first officers on the scene committed suicide from PTSD as a result of the case. And I just want to add here that a lot of the witnesses actually suffered from like 
um, PTSD. Oh. Like, they were very, very badly affected by this case. And um, some of some of the some of their PTSD was so bad that they could no longer function. So a lot of them actually lost their jobs. It's actually very very tragic. Mm. Mm. On February twenty seven, two thousand and fifteen, Lee was given unsupervised day passes to Winnipeg as long as he had a phone with him. What? May eighth, two thousand and fifteen, Lee was granted access to group homes. February two thousand and sixteen. Lee changed his name to Will Baker and won the right to live independently. No. Um, he'd be living in a group home during his time. Wow. Okay, wait. Yeah. Then on February 10, 2017, Lee, or Baker at this point, was granted absolute discharge. Yeah. So, in the eyes of many, especially the McLean's family, um, Lee seemed to have had it easy afterwards. Like, he just spent a few years in like a mental health facility while many of the passengers first responders even McLean's family had to like deal with the aftermath mm. so you know as I mentioned before like many of the witnesses had PTSD and like also the first responders it was just very it was very difficult for them and yeah so McLean so like McLean's death was like in the eyes of many people mm there wasn't justice served mm-hmm. for it. Ah, uh, yeah. I mean... Yeah, yeah I, I want to know what your thoughts are because there's uh, some parts of the the things that Lee did which was kind of interesting to me. Like, for example, the plastic bags, like... Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I... I can't really speak on the behalf of, like, the fact that he had schizophrenia or whatever, but it just... It, like, comes across as premeditated. But at the same time, like, what he did is just so inhuman that you don't even think, like, mm. a, a sane functioning person could possibly do it. Mm-hmm. So, like, what are your thoughts on this? As in, you're asking whether we think he's really, like, sane or not? I mean, about his... Uh, <laughs> I guess incarceration. Not really incarceration and the fact that, like, he... Right now, he's, like, out and about. How, how old is he Considering now, how brutally he... How old is he now? Uh, I, I don't know. When was he born? You shall do the math. How, when, when was he born? He was... He was born in... Uh, 1968. So, he's about 50... 50 each coming 60. 2020 huh? minus... Eh? 68, right? He's 52. Oh, he's, 52 okay. yeah, he's 30 years older than us. Oh. He's still relatively young, though. Yeah. Mm, yeah but is. he hasn't committed any other crimes after that, right? I don't think so. He's also living under a different name, a new Elias. Well, he ate a whole person, so... um. Yeah, that's the thing, like... What he did to McLean, McLean, right? It's just so like, you can't even grasp it's it. It's horrific, mm-hmm. and like, yeah, it's really horrific. And he, because under insanity, like he sort of just had to go to a mental health facility. I'm just curious so, how he got away, though. Like, is it he had insanity? But wow. And, like, there were psychiatrists to confirm it. This is the part of the law. And I think in a, uh, uh, in an interview, like, several years later, he was, like, talking about how he doesn't hear voices anymore. Okay. Mm. Yeah. But does he talk about how he feels about what he did? Uh, mm. I don't... He apologized to the family. Uh... But it's one of those things where it's, like, sorry, no cure, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. I mean, the way the body was... <laughs> mm. Yeah, it's, it's... If this happened in Singapore... <laughs> I genuinely don't know how I would feel, whether I would feel safe. But generally, we are quite complacent here anyway, uh, so... Yeah. People will get over it really quickly. Mm. Yeah, but... Oh, the way he handled the body was... 
Yeah. Also, he like he literally paraded McLean's head. You know, like he walked up and down the bus holding the head up. Exactly. It's just. Oof. So yeah, that that's the story of the murder of Tim McLean. It's crazy. I mean, you did say Canada <laughs> has crazy stories. I'm not kidding. Canada has really messed up crimes. Like, really messed up. Mm. How? <laughs> yeah, this end of the story. This is a murder oh, of Tim McLean. Interesting. Thank you, Chris, for your story. <laughs> That's uh. very, very interesting. <laughs> Honda, is your story... Does it happen to come from Canada? <laughs> no. It takes place in the sky. Ooh. Interesting. It's another alien story. <laughs> An alien love story <laughs> with Akon. Oh my god, no. <laughs> this one might be quite like, not close to home, but next time when when you get the chance to, you might be thinking of this story. <laughs> Shen's, I don't Shen's reaction. I do <laughs> <laughs> So, have you ever thought about what happens if someone passed like passes away on a plane. Wait, okay, wait, 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 wait. I don't they like take the body out. Like there's an actual process, right? Take the body out where? Yeah. <laughs> out the plane. No no. I'm I'm pretty sure that there is protocol in case some a passenger passes away on a plane. Yeah, I mean, Do different. You, like, take the bodies and throw them in like the luggage area. That would be so terrible. I don't think so, but different airlines will have different uh, <laughs> procedures. If I'm not wrong, I read somewhere that SIA, like some some Singapore airline planes, have a, like an area just in case something like that happens. Yeah, I mean, I cannot imagine like the estudas being like. I'm so sorry this person passed away, but the body has to be next to you for the rest of the flight. <laughs> I would die. <laughs> well, thanks for mentioning that, Chris. Oh no! <laughs> I'm scared now. <laughs> what did I do? <laughs> You're right on the nose, Chris. Amazing. Oh no. Okay. So, this is a story that I found on Reddit. And it's kind of creepy. And this Reddit... I love Reddit stories. I know, right? So this user is... his. The name is... Dies in Darkness. Like D-Y-E-S? D-I-E-S. Oh. Wait, wait, wait. Great alliteration, I guess. Is it just me or is Shen muted? I can't hear Shen. Shen Musa? I can't hear Shen. She's like laughing, but... Oh no, I... Because you were laughing, I hear no sound. I think she was silently laughing. Oh no. No, I wasn't She was so quiet. Oh no. Okay. Shen just quietly laughing to herself. No, I was laughing out loud. (laughs) Okay, let's go on. Okay, the name of the post is... I volunteered to sit next to a dead man on a plane and deeply regret it. Oh, no. <laughs> no. Oh, but the events in this story is just like, whoa. Okay, go so, ahead. Oh my God, okay, tell me. Finally, So next time when we can finally get onto planes after this whole pandemic, be careful, guys. Stop it. <laughs> I don't like that. <laughs> okay, I'll be telling the story through like the 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 writer's like perspective. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. The man in seat 43A died halfway across the Atlantic. I was sitting near the f- no. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I know it's not meant to be funny, the, but like literally the first sentence in your <laughs> And you're already laughing. I know, it just... I think it's a coping mechanism, so she doesn't feel like it's scary. You know what? I think so too. I think it's a coking... Coking? Oh, please don't take drugs. Choking? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, yes. I think it's a coping mechanism. I laugh to make myself feel better. But also, the way that started off was really funny. Maybe I have a weird, dark sense of (laughs) humour. Maybe. Yeah. So, I was sitting 
near the front of the plane, just behind first class, and couldn't really see the commotion. But I could hear someone gasping and retching, loud at first, then quieter and quieter. A flight attendant on the PA... As in, the person was retching, and then, like, the sound disappeared. Quiet. Like, Shen's laughing. No, I'm not laughing. I'm I'm thinking about it. (laughs) I'm trying to imagine it while Honda is telling the story. Then, okay. A flight attendant got on the PA and asked for any medical professionals among the passengers to help. I guess there were none. After a few minutes, the man's sounds deteriorated into a sort of gurgle, then silence. Then it was over. Oh no. His his name was Molino, and he was old, but not that old. And it was likely a heart attack. Aneurysm, drug oh, reaction, no. or God's will. A God's will. According to the conflicting <laughs> end hand reports that filtered down the plane from row 43 where a flight attendant simply buckled the newly deceased back into his window seat and covered his face with a complimentary airline blanket. Are you kidding me? Okay, apparently some airlines do this when there's no space. Because sometimes they will actually put them in an empty aisle, like, down on the floor. But sometimes some airlines will think this is dangerous and then they'll buckle them back into the seat. Yeah, I would see why they will buckle. I will buckle also. Only because then I will walk past every five oh minutes and laugh I... at the person's name. <laughs> I'm sorry. But I really cannot imagine like walking down the aisle and like you you just see this dead body and you know it's a dead body. Oh, But there's a blanket God, over it so at least you don't need to stare at it. Yeah, but it's still... You can see the rest <laughs> of the body, right? <laughs> you know it's there. I'll get to the part of the body <laughs> soon. Oh no! <laughs> the pilot got on the intercom and told us the plane will be turning back to New York due to a tragic medical situation involving one of our passengers. So the mm-hmm. the pilot said, "Folks, we're looking for a volunteer willing to sit next to the deceased while return while they return to our originating airport." The pilot continued. The flight, this flight is entirely full, and the person sitting there now isn't feeling comfortable. It's an owl seat, and only be a few hours before we're back over land. I'm not sure why I volunteered. Probably some combination of exhaustion, altruism, and morbid curiosity. My vacation plans were short anyway, I figured, so why not take the most interesting scene on the plane? <laughs> What the shit? This is why that person got haunted. This is why. The flight attendant thanked me profusely, as did a crazy-looking teenager who took my original seat. I picked up my handbag and shuffled down the aisle to the very last row of the plane. My only prior experience with corpses was an open-casket funeral for my grandmother when I was a kid, but the idea of death never particularly bothered me. It's natural, after all. That said... I admit that I second-guessed my decision as soon as I saw my new seatmate. Wait, you mean the person is not covered? His head is. Okay, but his body is not. The rest of the body is not. Oh my god, then you can see it turn colours. Oh no, I wasn't even thinking about (laughs) that! I don't think it turns colours that fast. But if it's a long flight... A few hours back to land, so... The body would be hard, oh. I think. Oh. Yeah, yeah I was rigor mortis say that. was set in. Oh. <clears throat> Mr. Molino, rest in peace, sat upright between the window and me. Strapped around the waist with a blue fleece blanket covering his torso and head. The blanket did not cover his hands, which were resting on his lap above his seatbelt. Placed that way by a flight attendant as a sign of respect, as I assumed. Molino's pale fingers were twisted into claws that betrayed the agony of his death. Oh no! <laughs> that's quite funny to write, actually. But... Oh my god, that's so sad though. Like, he's permanently like Nosferatu. Like, the fingers are all curled. <laughs> oh no! I couldn't look at those hands without imagining what his face looked like under the blanket. 
Oh, no, God, no, please, please tell me don't look. Please. No, no, no. Okay, soon. Okay. To be honest, my ass would be very uh, curious to see what the face looks like. Yeah, it's morbid curiosity. Mm-hmm. I thought of asking for a second blanket, but the flight crew was still busy coming down other passengers and preparing for our U-turn around the Atlantic Ocean. So I tried to forget my uneasiness and closed my eyes and slept. I woke hours or minutes later, I don't know, to the jostling of turbulence. The cabin lights were off and most of the passengers around me seemed to be sleeping. Oh no. Good luck. I looked out the window, trying not to look at Molino as I did so, and saw only the uniform blackness of the night. I imagined the ocean miles below us, lightless and cold. The thought unsettled me and I reached across Molino to close the window sheet. No. <laughs> Why would you do that? Molino says, no man, oh, stay in your seat. <laughs> <laughs> then I stopped myself. Hadn't the shade been closed when I sat down? Okay. <laughs> okay, okay. Let's continue, let's continue. I realised there was something else off yeah. about the scene. Molino's posture had somehow changed while I slept. It took me a few seconds to pinpoint it. His gnarled hands remained on his lap. He was still belted at the waist, and the blanket blanket still shrouded his upper body. But the fabric looked somehow twisted now, as it had been fidgeting. Very slowly, knowing it was insane, even as I knew I couldn't stop myself, I lifted a corner of the blanket. Why? (laughs) Why? We were just commending you on being smart. Why? I uncovered his shirt, which the flight crew had unbuttoned while trying to save him. A patch of blue-grey skin sprouting white chest hair peeked out from it. Yeah. Oh no. I lifted the blanket higher. His collar was flecked with dried blood. Finally, I pulled the blanket entirely off and stifled a scream. Molino's head was turned away from me, exactly as if he had turned to stare out the window. Oh, fit my life. No! No! Straight up, I would get up and sit on the floor, dude. I would sit in the toilet. I could see his f- toilet. <laughs> oh, yeah. I would rather spend the rest of the flight in the toilet. Yeah. I think it's the safest place. I could, <laughs> I could see his face reflected in the plexiglass. It was undoubtedly a dead man's face. Pale, drawn, lips parted, jaw slack. There was no life in it. Except his eyes. They were moving. No. I'm not even going to imagine that. I'm not going to imagine that. I'm not going to imagine that. I'm not going to imagine that. Because I really have a picture of a woman. We just went from one one story where the eyes are eaten to another story where the (laughs) eyes are freaking moving. I give up. I give up. (laughs) I'm done. Oh, I can remove Chris from the meeting, man. <laughs> Stop! Stop! <laughs> we really love... Stop threatening to remove me! <laughs> Bullying Chris is our profession. <laughs> it honestly is. <laughs> I stared at the reflection for half a minute, and I'm not sure of it. In the centre of that death mask, two pupils flick back and forth as if checking something out there in the sky. What are you doing? I don't know. A voice beside me interrupted. I oh whip- no! I whipped around and saw the woman seated across the aisle staring at me. Not so much in fear as disgust. Cover him back up. Give him give him his peace. You know what? That, <laughs> that woman deserves a lifetime of free flights. Yeah. <laughs> The, the true hero. He's... I think he's been moving, I stammered. 
his eyes. I think he might not actually be, but I couldn't finish the sentence. It was too crazy. Nor did I have to, because at that moment, my stomach dropped 10 feet, along with everything else in the plane. Coffee cups and purses slammed against the ceiling. A man near the first class section nearly tumbled out of his seat. Wow. I heard call lights... I heard call lights going off all over the plane as passengers were jolted awake in panic and confusion. Passengers, please take your seat. Buckle in and secure any loose items, the pilot said over the PA, sounding shaken himself. The weather... Oh, no! <laughs> the it's weather... terrible when the pilot is shaken too. <laughs> I know, right? The weather along our flight path is clear and no planes in the area are reporting turbulence. So I'm not sure what this is, but we should be through it momentarily. Uh, I know what that is. <laughs> Even as he spoke, the mild background shaking I'd felt since waking up became noticeably more violent. The woman across the aisle became, became, began fumbling for her seatbelt, no longer paying any attention to me or Molino. I forced myself to look at him again. The jolt must have caused him to pitch forward at the waist, his head colliding with the seat in front of... I can't. But Molino's face was still turned towards the window. His neck, oh, that must be so uncomfortable. His neck twisted at such a sharp angle that I worried it had snapped. Ooh. I looked at his hands again and the pallor of his skin. Three flight attendants and a dozen passengers had witnessed this man's death and I could not rationally imagine they were mistaken. And yet, in the reflection of the windows, his eyes, left to right, left to right, I had heard that strange reflexes sometimes kick in after death. Limbs flailing, hairless chicken running, nerves clearing out the last backlog of instructions from the brain. But the eyes? I had never heard of that. I made myself look past that unsettling reflection at the sky itself. It was still dark, moonless and cloudless, but the atmosphere seemed to have taken on a strange hue. A very dark green, like pea soup fog. I thought I could see vague shapes swirling around in the mug. I thought it might have been an optical illusion, I I recoiled. I desperately wanted to be anywhere else right then, but the rest of the cabin was approaching a state of pandemonium. Mm -hmm. Flight attendants were hurrying up and down the aisle, attending to spills and bruises even as they tripped and staggered. The entire plane was shuddering like a barrel going down the rapids. A series of jolts sent Molino's upper body swinging back and forth like an upside-down pendulum. He was thrown backwards into his seat, then sideways into me. Uh, Wow, that sucks. Put your head on my shoulder. (laughs) (laughs) And then the opposite way. Oh. (laughs) His face slamming directly into the window where it came to rest. That was enough for me. I unbuckled leaped out of my seat and locked myself in the bathroom directly behind me. (laughs) That's me! (laughs) I would cower on the toilet for the rest of this hellish flight rather than spend another minute sitting with Mr. Molino. Oh dear. No, but you can't sit on the toilet when they're landing though. What? No, it's turbulence. Which is even worse. Oh, Because I don't think... Yeah, what? There's no seat buckle in the toilet. Yeah, he has to be like holding on. Yeah. <laughs> this plan worked for a half an hour or so. I braced both my arms against the bathroom's walls and listened to the chimes of 
flight attendant call buttons. The whine of jet engines and the growling of the sky. I tried to calm myself by visualizing the skyline of New York, the JFK airstrip, a calm descent. But then I imagined Molino's window, his face mashed up against the glass like a little boy's, his dead eyes searching the night. The captain's disembodied voice called me back to reality. He sounded outright scared now. And the PA kept cutting in and out. Oh no. The turbulence stopped for four or five seconds. And then suddenly, it felt like I was inside a washing machine. Uh... <laughs> I bounced against the window, against the walls of the bathroom, landed on the floor and could barely manage to get the door open and crawl on crawl on all fours into the aisle. All three flight attendants were down, sprawled on backs and bellies between the seats. Some of the overhead luggage bins had burst open and spewed baggage out. Many of the passengers were weeping. A few prayed. And through it all, the plane would not stop shaking. I heard a series of small bangs above my head and felt something wet on my cheek. Every single soda can in the galley had exploded. I climbed into my seat and belted myself in, having briefly forgotten about Molino in my terror. (laughs) But he was still in his seat, of course, whipping back and forth like a flagpole in a hurricane, headbutting the window so hard that I could see the plexiglass balloon outwards and rebound each time. I became worried he'd cracked the window, though that's supposed to be impossible. (laughs) So I overcame my revulsion and grabbed his shoulders, but I couldn't restrain him. (sighs) Again and again, his head hit the window. I began to fear that it was not simply the motion of the plane that compelled him. No one else on the plane was watching this. Some of the passengers had rallied and were trying to pull the injured flight attendants out of the aisle. Others were whispering goodbye messages into their phones. I heard something crack beside me and hoped desperately that it was Molino's skull and not the window. Outside, I could see that the green fog was alive with swirling, murphous shapes. Another explosion. Not pop cans this time but pressurized oxygen escaping to the sky. <gasps> Molino had managed to smash out both window panes in one final blow. Wow. Oh my god, that must take a lot of force. Mm-hmm. Now his mangled head was hanging outside the window, and the rest of his <gasps> body was straining to follow it. No, 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 no. Restrained only by his seatbelt and the width of his shoulders. An alarm went off in the cabin, and a jungle of oxygen masks fell from the ceilings. I put mine on at once, but heard other people screaming. Some passengers were trying to desperately get masks on the unconscious air crew, but the plane was shaking more violently than ever, and loose debris was flying up the aisles toward my room. Toward the hole a dead man had made in the airplane. Cabin breach, said the pilot. Limited backup oxygen, so I'm trying to descend to a safe altitude. But hard to do in this storm, or whatever it is, God be with us. Once I was sure that I could breathe and was no was, and was not in danger of being sucked out myself, I took one last look at Molino. His head might have been torn off clean might have torn clean off outside the window. For all I could see of it past the rest of his body. I pictured those eyes again, which had, which had seen something in the sky that we had not seen. Ooh. There was some connection between these events that I might never understand, but even without understanding, I could make the last move available to me. I reached over to Molino's lap, lifted one of those cold, clawed hands, and unclasped his seatbelt. There was an intolerable, intolerable crunching noise, as I presume. His shoulders were squeezed and crushed to fit the window frame. Mm. 
And then oh, in a split God. second, he was gone. Out the window, into the night. The pale old man f- falling and end over and toward the black ocean. Whatever you saw out there, I whispered. Whatever you were looking for, go to it and leave us be. The green fog lifted a few minutes later and the plane descended until it was safe to breathe without masks. Hmm. Less than an hour later, I really did see the JFK airstrip. A whole squadron of police and the ambulance met us on the way down. The flight attendants and several passengers had to be hospitalized. But as far as I know, no one suffered serious injuries. Federal investigators eventually concluded that we had flown through a localized weather anomaly, witnessed by no other plane in the sky that night. Some sort of debris must have been flying around up there with us and taken out the window at 43A, they wrote in their report. I expected to hear a lot more about it on the news, but I suppose in the end, it was just one of those things. The airline had no interest in publicizing the incident, of course, and the passengers had no desire to relive it. For most people on the flight, it was simply a freak tragedy, followed by a close call, and all's well that ends well. I'm the only one that would dream for the rest of my life about Molino's eyes <laughs> and what they saw uh. on the way to the ocean. End oh. of story. <laughs> okay. Wow. This person should be sued <clears throat> because like, they just let the body like fling out the window. Dear God. Yeah. But, but it's fictional, right? The body... Uh, I'm pretty sure it's fictional, so. right? Oh, because mm-hmm. is it a real story because if it's a real story then every passenger on the plane would have been in, in danger though right no if you're at a low attitude not so high attitude like an uh, open window but they were at a high altitude right were they at a high altitude I'm not sure about that they were at a low altitude they were I going think. after like the cabin started pressurizing then the pilot bring it to low altitude what I would not I mean if the, but if that if, but if the person didn't do what the person did like maybe the body I don't know yeah the body oh, sounded the body have been returned to the family I don't know the the body maybe sounded I'm forgetting that it was the body sounded like it wanted to go out though yeah oh that's not okay the flickering eyes is so creepy I mean, I some can't imagine it, and I don't wanna. Dead bodies do move after. Yeah, like, this one I know. They do flinch. Off. Yeah, they. But like not for so long, though, right? I think um after a while they actually do like some bodies they release gas like fart because <laughs> of the like the pent up gas mm. in the body. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I'm not, but I'm not sure about eyes. Precisely because they're muscles and. Muscles need oxygen, right? Uh, I think. Yeah, yeah. I don't think eyes. Like, this year when my, my great-grandma passed, once you shut it, you it shouldn't open. Mm. But right, la. Unless they didn't shut the eyes when he passed away. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Because since yeah. there was no professionals on board, maybe they didn't know how to handle. Fair enough, yeah. Well, this flight crew... Yikes. Yeah. Really oh, man. Yikes. I would be so traumatized, honestly. I mean, the person's so brave to like volunteer to sit next to a dead person. Yeah. What was it? Wasn't the body in first class? No, it's the back of the plane. Eh? Oh. Did you read the plane? By the way, back of the plane seats are the worst. Mm, it's it legitimately is. the worst. It is the worst. Getting out of the plane is the worst as well. Yeah, my, yeah. F- my flight back and to Singapore last December was the last row, I think. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, it's so noisy. Too. Like, you hear so much things. Like, the engine. I don't know. Engine or something rumbling. And then the toilet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the toilet. Uh, I'm always in the middle. 
middle yeah, back. Yeah, but I yeah, but never had the last seat, deal. So. Oh, oh, you you can pick seats. I've never been picking seats. No. I mean, oh, like, because I don't pre buy. I see. I pre buy. I give a seat, so. Oh, I seen Oh, that's so interesting. Cause whenever I buy my flight tickets, it's like I buy and then when I reach the counter, then they will pre assign me. They will assign uh, me then. Okay. Oh, I don't get to choose my seats. Interesting. All the, all the tickets I've ever bought, we got to pick our seats. Oh, um, normally when I fly, I don't pay extra to pick my seats. I'm quite flexible. Cause there are like some mm. like you have to pay just to fix your seats. But I'm pretty flexible. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. True. Yeah. True, true, true. Yeah, but last row seats are absolutely terrible. Wow. Thanks for the story, Honda. Yeah, thank you for the story, Honda. That was... Oh, today's stories are crazy. Yeah, today's <laughs> stories are quite crazy. Chris's reaction is so funny. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Honestly, I just cannot imagine the eyes. Like, that is so creepy. Uh. Oh, my God. Thank you guys for some really, really interesting stories. If you enjoyed this episode and want to support us, please rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts, leave us a review, and click that follow button on Spotify. You can also listen to us on Google Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Amazon, and whatever podcast platform you listen to. And you can follow us on Instagram at podcast. Share us a message or send us stories if you'd like. Thank you for listening and see you guys next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. I guess the moral of today's stories is be careful when you're on transport. <laughs> yes. Oh my god, yeah. <laughs>